Bob Chamberlain is back with us. Mr. Chamberlain is the uh, is with the Wild Salmon Alliance. He's the chairman of the First Nations Wild Salmon Alliance, and there have been some developments as Bob has joined us many times over the past year or two to d- discuss the progress of open pen salmon farming uh, versus wild salmon population control. Uh, we've had some developments in the past few days, so Bob is back with us to talk about them. Bob, good morning. Thanks for being with us again today. Hey, good morning, Sterling. It's a pleasure to be back. Uh, open net salmon farming may continue off the coast, especially in the Discovery Islands area, while Ottawa undertakes a consultation to uh, plan the transition away. That's the development this week. On Wednesday, the Ministry of Fisheries, Vancouver MP Joyce Murray, uh, says uh, she's going to start a consultation process to phase out those open net and uh, salmon farms in BC. What does that say to you and your group, Bob? Well, first off, there's 17 fish farm licenses in the Discovery Islands area, and only two of them have been approved, and the other 15 have not. So it is a step in the right direction to protect all species of Fraser River salmon, as they've been known to hang around the Discovery Islands for quite some time. And this is a step in the right direction. I'm really grateful that there's going to be Uh, an engagement with First Nations across the province, which is critical uh, in terms of developing a transition plan. Right. Now, you and I have talked about this before, but for the benefit of those who may not have uh, been keeping up with the story completely, there was a setback a couple of months ago that you and I have since talked about on the air, but this was in federal court. uh, The orders for this, uh, the the termination of the salmon farm licenses, uh, there was problem with the language, Bob, and the judge sent the the government back to uh, rewrite uh, some of its proposals, correct? Yes, the uh, the best way to summarize the court outcome um, is that there was not enough rationale for the decision not to approve the Discovery Islands fish farm licenses by the previous DFO minister, and that there was not enough due process or administrative fairness to industry. Right. So during this time when 15 of these licenses are not reissued, they're going to have that opportunity for due process, and as I understand it, the Discovery Islands decision will come about in, in January of 2023. Okay, so now what uh, what consultation process are you aware of? Obviously, there's going to be a formal process, but have you been apprised at all that something's coming and here's when and what to expect? Well, I do know that there's going to be engagement with First Nations and to develop the transition plan. And in the past month, DFO has announced that there's some financial resourcing for First Nations to participate in this important uh, set of work that's coming. But what I find most significant is that the Fraser River First Nations and the Thompson River First Nations are going to be able to participate finally to speak about fish farm impacts to the salmon that return to their land. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really big point. And it, it definitely it's in line with Supreme Court of Canada law. So I'm happy to see that. I've been talking with a lot of First Nations up and down the Fraser and Thompson. Very keen to participate. So, and as far as the minister, Joyce Murray is at least a British Columbia person who has some uh, first-hand knowledge and understanding of what the situation is like, unlike the previous minister from Nova Scotia. Uh, what, what assurances, if any, have you received from Minister Murray that uh, you're going to be a, included in this process and that it's going to be a legitimate process? 
Well, that's always the question, and I think providing resources to First Nations to participate, it's a first. There was no resourcing from the federal government for the last round of consultation. So knowing that this resourcing is available up front is very useful. Uh, the meetings I've had with uh, the new DFO minister, she has talked very candidly about staying the course on the transition plan as her government has committed to. Bob, let's talk about transition. It's important here because this could be a microcosm of what the government has in mind next door in the oil fields, et cetera, in Alberta. They're going to try and transition literally hundreds of thousands of people from one occupation and skill set to something else. So a transition is important to discuss because here in BC, we're taking a a smallish industry, uh, fish farming, aquaculture, and we're going to try and eliminate some of those fish farms and transfer some of the workers, or transition rather, some of the workers into somewhere else. Is that how you understand the plan to play out? Well, they did speak about a transition and an evolution, and I really do seriously hope the minister is not entertaining what they call semi-enclosed fish farms, because this is, it doesn't cut it. There was one that was run out on the west coast of British Columbia that was taken down because it was ineffective. It did not reach its goals. So it certainly is not a transition option. The transition option is land-based closed containment. Um, I've had meetings with people that are very keen to invest and are seeking First Nation partners. And I do know that land-based closed containment is of interest to First Nations around the province of BC, not just coastal British Columbia. Interesting, because uh, there seems to be a tremendous amount of reluctance on the part of the aquaculture industry to move to land-based uh, salmon farming, Bob. And the, the obvious reason is it costs a heck of a lot of dough and it's much cheaper and they're already set up so why bother spending the money is it possible that as we move these farms out of the waters where they affect wild populations onto land where they're more controllable that the leaders in that big movement may in fact be first nations well I, I, first nations are always keen to you know be a part of of commerce and, and contribute to the economy and certainly want employment and revenue for their first nations But, you know, the thing that I'm mindful of is the industry publication, Intrafish, they started to publish a monthly update about a year and a half, two years ago, concerning the hottest growing sector in aquaculture globally. And guess what? It's land-based closed containment. Interesting. The government needs to seek out the the companies that want to do this and not continue to talk to speak to the ones that do not want to do this. And I suppose as more and more of this land-based salmon farming becomes uh, best practices around the world, there will be even more models to base what to the future BC salmon farming could look like. Absolutely. I've been, you know, I've been reviewing a couple proposals that I've seen from uh, companies that are interested in land-based closed containment. And there's been great, great uh, improvements in uh, the recirculating aquaculture systems, or RAS, if you like. And I see that this is something that is going to be good for the economy, good for employment, but not at the cost of the environment or wild salmon. But as we talk about transition, you mentioned the oil fields and yeah. so on. There needs to be a significant package of transition resourcing from the federal government to assist the affected employees and communities. This is not new. This has happened in other industries. I remember the fisheries restructuring and adjustment measures back in the mid-90s for commercial fishermen went on for a number of years. This is the kind of help and assistance that the employees need. Because you know darn well the companies, if they're not going to be able to operate here, they're gone. 
their concern for their employees ends. Mm-hmm. Interesting developments, Bob. We always appreciate your taking a bit of time on the weekend to fill us in and keep us right up to speed on this very, very important file. Thanks very much again. Thank you, Sterling. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.